Welcome, everyone, to today's devotion. I know we're getting a late start today. I've been out of town, and I didn't want to do this while driving. So, uh, But we're in Mark chapter 14. It's only 16 chapters of Mark. So we're looking at the eve of the cross today. We'll look at the cross tomorrow and the resurrection, Lord willing, Thursday. Uh, so what you have here is a very busy, compact chapter. Uh, Matthew would, would probably spread this out over two chapters, as well as Luke and John. But for Mark, it's, it's all in one chapter. It happens very, very fast, which is typical of uh, Mark's book. And uh, so, so we can only uh, gloss over a lot of it, point out a few things. But I, I really don't, um, since we've already looked at the same story in three different accounts, I don't want us to go into a lot of detail here. Uh, it begins, uh, we're just, uh, we cover two days before um, um, all of this, and then, of course, the night before. Uh, so Jesus is, verse 3 is important, while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. Now, who is Simon the leper? Um, I don't think we know. I don't think we have the story of Jesus cleansing this leper. Now, he has cleansed lepers, and maybe uh, one of them is named Simon, but Mark doesn't tell us that story attached with this name. All we have here is they're in a home of a guy named Simon the leper, yet they wouldn't be in his home if he still had leprosy. So the assumption is that Jesus had healed Simon the leper, but he is still known as Simon the leper. Add to that that this is an unnecessary detail. We see this throughout the Gospels. I believe it was Mark that named Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, the the, the last event before uh, the triumphal entry. So I think that would be chapter 11, I believe. Well, Mark does this, Luke does it, uh, John does it, where John mentions Malchus, the guy who gets his ear cut off in the Garden of Gethsemane. The reason is because often the Gospel writers will identify for us um, their eyewitnesses. And I think Simon the leper is one of those which gives credence to this story. And this is the story of the woman who John identifies as Mary, um, who, who anoints Jesus' body with an expensive oil. And Judas is incensed. Uh, Mark speaks in, in the general of the disciples complained that it could have been sold and given to the poor. Uh, but Jesus says there in verse 6, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want it, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. A couple of things to note here. One, Jesus is not anti-helping the poor. Um, however, I will say, Jesus' mission is bigger than that. You got to have a balance there. There are those who make Jesus only humanitarian, and those who forget the the justice issues here. But Jesus' point here is to say, uh, is to prepare his disciples for what is about to happen. This is an act of worship, and is in contrast to an act of greed by by Judas. This is true worship. She worshipped Jesus, aware of what was about to come, and it's striking that. Jesus is anointed here for burial. Later, the women will go to the empty tomb to anoint him for burial, but he's alive. And so they never actually anoint him after he's dead. He is anointed prior to his, his death. Um, verse 10, Judas Iscariot, who's one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. So this is starting that process of, of, of that. I trust you know the story well. Uh, this leads uh, the, the next day to... 
the Passover, so we're on Thursday. And in verses 22 to 25, uh, Jesus institutes the Passover, I trust, or the Lord's Supper. I trust you are familiar with it. Verse 22, as they were eating, he took bread after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. He took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So Mark's is briefer than the others, which is fairly typical um, in comparison, but you see the main points here. Jesus' body is broken on our behalf. Jesus' blood is shed on our behalf. And this is an ordinance instituted by Christ and given to his followers. It's why, to this day, most Christians, Protestant Christians that is, practice and recognize only two ordinances. Uh, baptism, uh, which Jesus followed in obedience, as mentioned in Mark's Gospel, and the Lord's Supper, both instituted by by Christ. And of course, baptism reminds us of what uh, is a testimony of faith. The other is, is a uh, reminder of faith. This is who I am. I am hidden in Christ. Well, then we get uh, Jesus foretelling Peter's denial. He, of course, denies it. And then this goes into the prayer of Gethsemane. So verse uh, 36, of course, Jesus goes in. He takes the inner three with him. And this is his prayer, verse 36. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. It's a clear distinction we need to make there. Jesus does not deny the power of God, but rather submits himself to the will of God. We, we don't think in those terms. It is God's will for Jesus to suffer and die. God could have stopped it. But he chose not to. Jesus is not seeking to understand the will of God, but to obey the will of God. Often we, we come, particularly in moments of suffering and uncertainty and doubt and fear and, 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 and travails and tragedy, we want to understand everything. Why did God let this happen? Jesus' approach is to find himself in obedience to God's will, even amid the difficulty. So if it is God's will that he suffer and die, so be it. Now I want you to pause and think how liberating that is. How often do we spend our times trying to figure everything out and try to fix our problems? If only we pause and said, if this is the will of God, I will be strong, I will persevere, and I will still be a person of joy. Jesus seeks the will of God. And from that, he is able to persevere. Notice verse 37. He came and found them, that is the disciples, sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? And here what we see is Jesus in this chapter is largely alone. Outside of the uh, woman in Simon the leper's house who's anointing him, Jesus is constantly being confronted and challenged. Judas is going to betray him. Simon is going to deny him. The disciples are going to ignore him. Right? They don't understand what it means being prepared for burial. My blood is being shed for you. Right? They don't understand any of that. So here in Jesus' greatest moment of need, he stands alone. And he will be alone until he is risen from the dead. Well, we get the betrayal and rest, verse 43 to 50. I trust you you know it well. Uh, you get the betrayer's kiss and all that. Verse 51 is one of the few unique verses in the Gospel of Mark found nowhere else in the Gospels. And it's an odd one, and so it's worth pointing out. 
A young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Now, what in the world do you do with that, right? This, of course, is in the context of the, um, the Gethsemane, the, the arrest. So what is this? Well, most scholars suspect, we can't prove or anything, most scholars suspect, and I think this has been pretty traditional throughout history, this is an autobiographical note. It's, it's an anonymous one, but it, it, it suggests that Mark is telling the reader, I'm the eyewitness. I was there. I saw the arrest. I was among the twelve. So it's possible um, Mark, much of Mark is written from uh, a, a, the perspective of one who experienced some of these things. There's some debate. It's clearly, the, the gospel is clearly influenced by Peter's preaching. That, that, that is very obvious if, if you study it. Yet, there seem to be enough nuggets that seem to come beyond Peter's eyes, but also possibly through Mark as an eyewitness. And here it's likely Mark as a young man goes out to see what all the commotion is. And so he grabs his bathrobe, if you will, and goes out there, just got out of the shower, whatever it is. And um, in the chaos of, of, of the nighttime, remember that you don't have what I call adult nightlights, you know, street lights and all that sort of stuff. None of that exists. So it's very dark. It can be very confusing. Everyone is running. Peter is swinging his sword and all that sort of stuff. And so it's very easy that someone would grab what we assume is Mark and he would flee, leaving behind what is essentially a rope. And that story probably began to spread, and maybe people kept bringing up the mark. So he inserts it here, um, sort of as a joke. Yeah, hey guys, that was me, right? That's a true story. But nevertheless, it's 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 something unique. It's it's right there in in the Bible. Remember, the Bible is a divine book. It's also a human book. Go down to verse 56, Jesus before the council. Uh, many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Now, it's not what Jesus said. You can go back and read it. I think it's in chapter 11 or 12. Um, that's, that's not word for word. But remember, Jesus says, I'll destroy this temple and, 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 and rebuild it. Uh, but... Remember, Mark's point of this gospel was that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And in believing he's the Son of God, you may know the gospel and receive the gospel. And so far, there's been this hesitancy for people to affirm his true identity. Now, the blind call him Son of David. The demonized call him the Son of God. But, 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 and there's this wonder from the disciples and others who, who marvel at what he's able to do. And here what we have is false witness. And Mark is showing us that, yes, he is still the, the Son of God, even though he was crucified as a criminal. How so? Based on false witnesses. Um, so verse 61, uh, Jesus doesn't defend himself. He doesn't need to defend himself. Uh, so the high priest asks him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? This takes us all the way back to the very first verse, doesn't it? This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here's the question. Are you him? His answer, I am. Ego of me. We've talked about that before. So you can go back to previous uh, devotions where we talk about that. That is divine language. I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. What Jesus does there is he borrows language, uh, divine language regarding the Messiah from Daniel, and he, now he applies it to himself. I am that Son of Man. I am the Son of God. And so, verse 63, the high priest tore his garments and said, 
what further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. And here I'm reminded that those who say that Jesus never claimed to be divine, you have to explain the cross. The Jews did not hand Jesus over to Pilate um, because he claimed to be a king. That's what they told Pilate. They wanted Pilate to hear. They handed him over because he claimed to be divine. And this is a major theme in Matthew's gospel. Mark wants us to see him as the son of God. And the chapter ends with Peter's denial. I just want to highlight the last, was that six words? And he broke down and wept. This is true repentance, which is fitting because why is Jesus going to the cross? For people like Peter, for people like Judas, for people like you and me. He suffered and bled and died so that we don't have to. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hope to see you guys here tomorrow. We'll look at the cross. See you then.